So Matthew chapter 1, James chapter 1, let's pray. Lord, we um, just sit in the company of one another at your feet. We think of a different Mary uh, and, and her sister Martha and how busy Martha was preparing for you uh, to be a guest in her home, how discouraged she was by the lack of work of her sister and and your commendation of Mary, having chosen the better part, to sit at your feet. So Lord, with Christmas quickly approaching and shopping days being numbered, we've chosen, Lord, to come and sit at your feet this morning, to give you this time to hear from you, to hear from your word, to consider the things of Christmas fresh in our lives. So Lord, our hearts are open, our ears are open, our minds are hopefully becoming focused as we open your word, which we acknowledge truly is the very word of God, and present ourselves as living sacrifices to you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. The series as a whole, I don't even use the word series very often, but uh, because we oftentimes don't do topical series, but since we had a few weeks and it was Christmas time, we are looking at the lives of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus will be our topic and our discussion for Christmas Eve. But for today, it's Joseph, and the the overarching idea was uh, the gift of yes, which, as I read about Mary, and what's always astonished me about Mary is when she just submits herself to the Lord and says, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, Here, here I am, Lord. Have your way in me. If this is what you want to do in my life, then I'm yielded to you in that. And and then to see, we'll talk about that in Jesus' life, yielding himself to the Father, taking on human flesh, becoming a, a, coming in the form, a human form, and then even taking on the form of a bondservant, a slave, and dying a humiliating death, and, and his ability and willingness to say yes to God. And that's what we're going to look at today as we look at the life of Joseph and it just what, what it gets me thinking about is just the fact that God has given us a choice, hasn't he? A part of what love demands, if God is love, love demands choice. It's, no, it's, it's not love when, when it's forced, uh, when it's contrived, when it's obligated. Uh, that isn't necessarily love. So God, it, because he loves us, it demands that he gives us free will. And we'll talk about some of those things when we get into the study in Genesis and the garden and the tree and all of those things. But I hope we can recognize and acknowledge together that love demands free will. So God gives us choice about these things in our lives. And we see some people, I think about Jonah, who said no. And then God certainly brought him around, as God does, uh, gave Jonah a second chance. But the Pharisees, in a lot of ways, said no. They resisted the Spirit of God. And here we have uh, Joseph, and, and I, as I read God's Word, I'm not sure how you read God's Word. I mean, some, maybe you read it to answer questions in Trivial Pursuit or on Jeopardy or, wh- or whatever. Maybe that's what you read God's Word for, for information. But I, I, uh, what I love about God's Word is so much of it is just history. It's people, and it's God. And it's God dealing with people, and it's people dealing with God. And I love to watch. I love to sit back and, and look and, and try to imagine myself in the story and think about 
how is God, how is God acting? What is God doing? How is God working? And then how are people responding to him, good or bad? And I try to learn from these people, from the people that God has set before us. These things aren't just for information. The Bible tells us even the things in the Old Testament were for what? For our learning. They're for our learning. So I am, as I look at Joseph, I I mentioned last week that I try to put myself in the story, imagine myself being in that situation. How would I react? What would I have done? And, And when we talked about Mary, I was imagining myself living the life of a teenage girl, and that got me really scared. So I'm, I'm glad we're on to Joseph now. Uh, this, I'm a little more comfortable with him. So let's pick up in, in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. We'll read the whole brief section here. And then we'll just look at some things about Joseph's life and his dealings with God and God's dealings with him. Verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. We've all read this before, where you can easily read that and say, well, you know, I'm familiar with the story, blah, blah, blah. So I hope that this morning we, we are able to engage our brains and maybe think freshly about uh, the, the, the history, the life of Joseph. The interesting thing is we know that not everything that happened, uh, not every tidbit of information is contained in the Gospels. There are things that, were, that happened that uh, are not written about, right? We know this. We know very little about Joseph, don't we? If you think about uh, the, the name Joseph in the Bible, typically you would not think about, unless it's Christmas season, who, who comes to mind with, when you say the name Joseph? We think about Genesis, right? We think about that Joseph, the Joseph in Potiphar's house, and there's chapters and chapters and chapters written about that Joseph. And he's referred to in many other places in the Bible. And then you might think about Joseph of Arimathea, another Joseph more connected to the crucifixion of Jesus. And he and Nicodemus were the ones that took care of the body of of Jesus after they brought it down from the cross. So you realize we know very precious little about Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. And much of what we we know about him, we know from right here. Uh, We know he was a carpenter from the Gospels, right? He loved to make stuff with his hands. So I like that. That's kind of, I love to make stuff with my hands. You know, he's hammering it out in, in the carpentry shop. Uh, we know he passed that on to Jesus because Jesus is referred to as a carpenter. Uh, we know those things. We know that at the age of 12, Jesus comes up missing on the, uh, from the caravan on the way back home. They, they come to Jerusalem for the Passover, and then they're heading back home. Whole you know, extended family is all traveling together. Jesus, as a 12-year-old, is among them uh, for the Passover. But they get home, and, and Joseph's like, hey, Mary, where's Jesus? And Mary goes, 
I don't know, I, th- I thought you were watching him. And she says, uh-huh, I don't know where you are. I thought you were watching him. And so they realize Jesus is missing, so they hustle it back to Jerusalem and find him there among the rabbis asking questions and, and talking with them. And they t- Jesus, get on home now, come on. I can imagine what an awkward scene that w- would be. But uh, that's the last time that there's any mention of, of Jesus is always referring to Joseph uh, or to, to Mary and Joseph as in the plural there in that part. So after that, Joseph disappears from the, from the Gospels, doesn't he? So there's a lot of speculation, and most speculate that Joseph probably died somewhere between that when Jesus was 12 and when he was crucified. Because there at the crucifixion, it's really hard to concentrate, isn't it, with door, doors closing behind us? Are we okay? Are we still together? Jesus at, at the crucifixion from the cross looks at Mary and John both standing there and says to Mary, Behold your son. And to John, behold your mother. So somehow, if, jo- if Joseph was still alive and able to care for Mary, he wouldn't have had to given, have given John that job. So we can only assume, for whatever reason, Joseph is not there. Most people would assume, uh, and, and do assume, that he probably died somewhere during Jesus' lifetime. So all that is just kind of a build-up. So, you know, we, know, we just don't know a whole lot about Joseph we learn a lot about him right here. Um, he is an, an integral part of the Christmas history, although Mary and Jesus, of course, get the majority of the attention. I think Joseph has some things to offer us as well. So we talk about verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows, and it was, the, this is how God chose to come. He chose to come through human means. He didn't choose to come uh, via a spaceship like you know, Superman did come in and dropped off on a, in, to human parents, find him, and they raise him as their own. It could have happened that way. He could have just appeared as a, on the doorstep. And there's a lot of ways it could have happened. But God chooses to interrupt the life of this young girl and her fiancé and, and include them in, in part of this history. So there was a birth, as difficult as it might be for many to understand or comprehend, I believe it it fully. I believe that if God is able to create in the beginning everything from nothing, that's what what Genesis says, that the word that's used for create means to create from nothing, then then the virgin conception is really not a problem for God. Two words I want you to notice in the rest of verse 18. After his mother was betrothed to Joseph and before they came together. She was found with child. So there's this as after one thing but before another. Now, God could have, I mean, Mary could have become pregnant before she even met Joseph, before they were ever engaged. I mean, it would have been, one wouldn't have been any less uh, scandalous than the other for a young girl to become pregnant, whether she was engaged or out of, you know, or not married, not engaged at all. Either way, still would have been scandalous. So he could have done it before Joseph could have, had nothing to do with the whole situation. Could have been left out of the story altogether. But it was after they were betrothed, they were engaged to one another. So God, it's almost like God has contrived this sort of scandalous, very difficult, very uncomfortable situation to be born into. And I want to tell you what, that's, that, that's not something to be overlooked at Christmas time. Because there's a lot of scandalous stuff out there. There's a lot of brokenness out there. There's a lot of misunderstanding out there. 
And I think that's right where, see, some people say, well, you know, I'll get, when I get my life together, that's when I'll come to church. That's like saying, you know, when I finally lose weight, I'll start going to the gym. Well, that's why you go, right? That's when I finally get in shape, you know, then I'll start, uh, then I'll join the gym. No, you go to the gym because you want to lose weight or you want to get in shape. You don't come to church because you've gotten your life together. You come to church because you know you need to. And you know that Jesus has no trouble entering into that situation. In the midst of all that, God says, I'm going to be born right there. Boom. After this, but before that. Very specific timing. Sometimes I wish God had saved me like 10 years before he did. I mean, I could have been saved as a teenager. It would have saved me a whole lot of trouble. Like, God, why did you wait till I was in my 20s? And some of you are going, God, why did you wait till I was in my 60s? Why did you wait till my kids were already grown? You know, why didn't you save me back? I don't know. You know, the Apostle Paul asked the same question in his life. You know, it still had that, why, why didn't God save the Apostle Paul before he had become this terrorist against the church? But he didn't. What a testimony he had because of it, though. So uh, the, ways God, the ways of God, um, he comes right after this, but before that, God's timing is absolutely impeccable. I don't always understand it. It's usually too slow for me, but that's the way God works. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and we talked about betrothal last week. This was considered on the level of marriage. They weren't married yet, but the engagement was to to break off the engagement was to require a divorce. So even though you were only engaged in our culture, it wouldn't be as big a deal. To them, it was a big deal, so much so that look in verse 19. Joseph is called her husband. Even though they're not married, it's as much as a done deal. The only thing that is left for the marriage ceremony, the consummation to happen. But notice this. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they came together. Now, we know that this is an idiom. We know what's being said here. So we also know about this couple that they'd been, they'd obviously known each other. Their families probably knew each other. They had obviously uh, become fond of one another. They've fallen in love with each other. They're, they're planning uh, this marriage together. Yet, and, and being engaged, they're, they're, they're almost there. They still had kept themselves pure. And, and nowadays, the idea is, well, you know, we're, we're well, nowadays, it, it, many people involved, get involved physically and intimately just at the dating stage. And then once you're engaged, well, it's just assumed, you know, you're, 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 you're involved in these things. But I want you to know that one of the things that we, we love about Mary and Joseph, both of them, is they were both committed to personal purity in their lives, physically and intimately. Even though they were, they were engaged, they, uh, they had not come together. Joseph was a man of integrity. And I want to say that to the young folks that are, that are in here, that uh, to take a lesson from Joseph, that he um, was not willing to pressure Mary into being involved intimately before they were married. And that's a man of integrity to me. I think we need more men like that today. We need more young men like that today. Um, so, but the problem with all this is, Joseph knows before they'd come together, but Mary is, becomes pregnant. Now, we'll, we'll get to that child of the Holy Spirit thing in just a second, because can you imagine the conversation? Can you imagine the rumor mill around Nazareth? I mean, maybe some are questioning Joseph, going, yeah, sure, you, you, you haven't come together. You know, who knows what people are thinking, but can you imagine, Joseph knows he's been a man of integrity. He's kept, they've kept their distance, they've kept their distance intimately, and now Mary has to call, Joseph, yeah, we need to talk. 
Why? What's up, honey? What, 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 what's going on? I got something we need to talk about. We, need, we, get, we, can't, we can't do this over email. We got to get together face to face and talk about this one. And, and he's, what's, what's on your mind? You look so worried, you know. You... And she says, I'm pregnant. And, and he probably didn't hear anything after that. I mean, the, uh, you know, and then she goes on to say, and God is responsible. You know, that, then she sounds like a wacko to, to Joseph. But, I mean, can you imagine the deflation of Joseph? Can you imagine the betrayal? Can you imagine his love for her and for her to tell him and, and to beg him to trust her, to beg him to believe her? Now, listen, again, I want to show you that God almost sets up the stress because the angel came to Mary beforehand and said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. I'm going to, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is going to conceive in your womb. You're going to give birth. And then Mary, now if, there, if I was Mary, I'd have said, well, let me talk to Joe about this. Let's see if we can agree. Or can you, can you make a visit over there and talk to Joseph so that then we can talk about it together and decide if this is going to be good for us or not, you know, if this is in our five-year plan, our 10-year plan. Wouldn't it have been easier? I mean, admit with me, it would have been a lot easier if the angel came to Joseph beforehand too. Then there would have been no question. So why wait, God? Why wait? Why let Joseph wrestle it out? Good question, isn't it? And why does God let you wrestle it out sometimes? Why does God, I think about Jacob who wrestled with God all night, ends up with a limp at the end of it. But he learns how to prevail by just hanging on. He prevailed because he hung with it. He hung with God. He stayed uh, connected to God, so to speak. Now, I'm just trying to build a test. You know, I, I, sometimes when I read the Bible, I've got more questions than I have answers. And I think you guys are the same way. And the tensions are okay with me. So she's found with child of the Holy Spirit. The conversation happens. Uh, I don't know if it was, I don't know how much time transpires. Is she beginning to show? Um, how, how did the conversation between her and Joseph go? We know he was stewing over this because verse 19 says, then Joseph her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So evidently, he's not buying it. Because the, see, he's a, one of the things we learn about Joseph is he is what the Bible calls a just man. Which means, it can be translated a righteous man. Um, he was obedient to the law of God. If God said to do it, he wanted to do, he had a deep inner sense of desiring to do what was right in the eyes of God. And in this situation, what was right in the eyes of God was Deuteronomy 22. At least what was allowed and, and, and mandated in the law of God was if a woman pledged to be married is unfaithful, which is certainly what the situation seems to be, Deuteronomy 22 says she shall be brought to the door of her father's house, and there the men of her town shall stone her to death. She has done a disgraceful thing in Israel by being promiscuous while still in her father's house. You must purge this evil from among you. The law called for decisive action in this type of instance. Now think about Mary. We looked at her story last week. Think about the song that she sings. This is a woman who loves the Lord, who knows God. And I can imagine her pleading with Joseph, Joseph, you've got to believe me. I've never lied to you. 
I've never been unfaithful to you, Joseph. And I can imagine the tears just falling down her face as she realizes the impact this is having on her husband-to-be. Can you imagine? She loves him. And she's got to tell him she's pregnant and try to explain that somehow God has entered her life in a different way and is calling her to do this. Oh, it can be confusing and troubling. And Joseph certainly was troubled. So the law called for that, but literally you could say he was a just man, and yet, there's a, in, the, in the Greek, there's an insertion of, rather than and, it could read yet, and yet not wanting to make her a public example, not wanting to bring her to public shame. Why? Because he loved her. So he's caught between what the law sort of calls for, which, by the way, he would have full right to do. Wouldn't he have? Now, again, this is where I put myself in Joseph's shoes. I'm a young guy, engaged to be married. I found out my fiance has been fooling around, and not just fooling around, but fooling around and got him pregnant with another man's baby. Well, it's pretty clear the whole thing is off, right? I mean, you don't have to think very long about this. I, can you imagine how angry? First, Joseph would go through betrayal. The feelings of betrayal. And then he would go through the first stages of grief. First stage being anger turned outward. And maybe he would have wanted to get revenge on Mary. Maybe he would have wanted, oh yeah, well, you know, we're going to do this the right way. I'm going to let everybody, everybody's going to know about you, Mary. I mean, you know what anger does, right? You know what revenge does? Matter of fact, um, you have to be very careful with these things. Because revenge, they've done studies on, on people that study brains, which people do, um, they put people in a scenario where they were playing like a board game together, and this board game involved an opportunity for some of the players to get revenge on other players in the game. Even if it would cost them something, there was some of the, the, the funny money or the monopoly money, hey, if you would pay this, you could then do something that would cause revenge on another player in the game. And almost everybody took them up on it said, yeah, I want to get revenge. And then they would study the brain at that time and what was happening in the brain. The parts of the brain that were lighting up, that were firing, were the same parts of the brain that fire when you're eating ice cream. It's true. Because the revenge, and that's why they say revenge is sweet. And, but it's, it's sweet in the sense that it, in, it enlightens, the, the, or it, it um, causes to be activated the parts of the brain that feel pleasure. And because of that, and why revenge is so very scary and very difficult, is because uh, revenge can be addictive. When you sense that pleasure that comes from getting revenge, then there's a desire to repeat that and get more and more. And so the Bible tells us how to deal with these things. And Joseph, what I like about the example of Joseph is, I don't know that I would have reacted that way. We'll, we'll see more about how Joseph responds. The first thing he says is, I'm not, she has brought shame to me, but I am not willing to bring shame to her. He doesn't know, he's not comprehending the rest of the story. So he's just, let's assume with Joseph that he can't understand that that this is the Holy Spirit at work. He's going to figure this out. The angel's going to tell him. But for now, he's operating under under the impression that another man is involved. And so rather than getting vengeance on her, Rather than seeking to put her out there on Facebook and run her down to all my friends in, in that community, which, by the way, please, I beg you, it, you know, 
Facebook, you know, I, I kind of run down Facebook. Warren's going to preach in the new year, and he's going to give some plugs for Facebook because we're going to play good cop, bad cop, because I'm always running down Facebook. Facebook has some really good uses. And, and I've con- my dad follows our church on Facebook up in Pennsylvania, and, and we've had some good conversation because of that. But Facebook is a tool like any other tool. You can use it for good, or you can use it to have a trial that's only one-sided. And that is just not fair. And sometimes that's how people carry out vengeance. That's how people desire to shame someone publicly. I'll just put it out there on Facebook. I'll give all of my side. The other person doesn't get to say anything. And then all of my friends hear my side and tell me what a rotten person that other person would be for doing it. They don't know the whole story because you've only given them your side. And that's called an unfair trial. So Joseph could have done, but Joseph said, I don't want to make her. You have to sometimes make that choice. Someone hurts you. You have to decide, I'm not going to get vengeance. I'm not going to get them back because I know vengeance can ruin me. It's like, they say it's like eating rat poison and expecting the rat to die. So what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Joseph comes to you, Pastor Steve, can, can we meet this week? I got a situation. Yeah, sure, Joseph, I think I can fit you in on Tuesday around 11. Yeah, I'll be there. Come on in. So Joseph sits down. He tells me the story. Steve, I'm engaged. My, my fiance, she's pregnant. What should I do? I really want to I, I really you know, just get rid of her. I wanna, I'm so mad. I'm so angry. Joseph, you know what God says. You, vengeance can't change the situation. And God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Joseph, why don't you let God deal with her? You do what's right and let God deal with your wife or your fiancé. Well, what is right? What should I do? Well, the Bible says don't return evil for evil, but return good for evil. If your enemy is hungry, give them something to eat. That's too hard, Steve. I can't do that. I know it's hard, Joseph. I know that's hard. I know God is asking you for a tall order, but trust me, it is the way of the Lord, and it's right. And Joseph leaves my office, and, and he has a decision. He's faced with the information. And now he has a decision to make. And I like this. He was, he, wanted, he, he was not willing to do this. He was just, he had the law on one side. He was a keeper of the law. But on the other side, he had love. And he was not willing to shame her. But he desired to do what? To put her away secretly. To simply write the letter of divorcement, have it signed by whoever needed to sign it, the, the town elders, the Nazareth elders. And then she, I don't know what comes after that. Is she put out of the village? Is she put away from her? I'm not sure. But she's not going to be, Joseph doesn't want to see her die. He doesn't want to see her get what's coming to her. So verse 20, a very important thing. But while he thought about these things. See, he didn't just act. It doesn't say, then he reacted to these things. Now some of you just react. You hear something, you, you learn something, and room right away. Your impulsiveness kicks in and you just go to it. And I have found in my life that usually the first thinks I think are, are the fleshy things. Usually my flesh rises up, all that nastiness that's in me that the cross is supposed to be holding down in my life. All those nasty things in me start to come out. And it, why is it, Lord, that I desire to see somebody else hurt? Why, do, why is it that in me that there's this desire to do to somebody else the very thing I hated when it was done to me? Do you see how little sense that makes, folks? We become, in vengeance, we become the very thing we hated in the first place. And the world goes round and round that way, doesn't it? 
You, you, know, you kill someone in our gang, we kill six people from your gang. You kill six people from our gang, we, pill, we, we, we kill the, the family. of, and, and we see it happening in the world today with police officers, with children in Pakistan. We see vengeance happening. God has called us to holiness, which means to call us to live differently. Anybody can get vengeance, but it's the rare and godly person that says, I'm going to choose to love and not hate. So he thought about these things. He needed that time. You need that time. I need that time to not just react immediately, but to sit and st- Joseph didn't get any sleep that night or the next night or the night after that. You ever had nights like that? We got some big decision looming over you and you go, I don't know what to do. I remember a, a situation I had years ago like that here re- revolving around uh, church life here and this, everybody was looking to me to make this decision and I was just pleading with God all night. I didn't get any sleep. Oh, Lord, what do we do? And uh, that was necessary time because I found that if I give God time, the first thoughts are the fleshy ones, but if I wait, instead of reacting emotionally, there's then God, God has time to speak to me. Have you found you need that in your life? God needed... I needed to give God time to speak to me about what he wanted me to do. Now, Joseph didn't have the scrolls. He didn't have the Bible in his living room or on his coffee table. So God speaks to him through a dream. While he waited and thought about these things, he's milling them over. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid, or literally, do not become afraid to take to you, marry your wife. So God could have said that six weeks before, right? Totally. But he waits and lets Joseph hammer this out on the anvil of his human will and, and thought. Do you, know what, do, you know how, do, you, do you know what Joseph is feeling? Have you been in those situations yourself? Where you've had to just wait and hammer these things out because everything you wanted to do God is desperately trying to speak to you uh, and, and tell you, don't, Steve, don't do that. And it's that email you wrote and then wished you hadn't wrote it. Or it's that thing you said and wished you hadn't said it. And once words are out there, you can't get them back. That's why you've marked James chapter 1, right? Go with me to James chapter 1. Hopefully it should be just a flip of the page because you've already got it marked. Many of you know where I'm going with this. Verse 19 says, so then, beloved people of Calvary Chapel, Christmas 2014, let every, oh, it doesn't say that, I just made that up, but it does say, my beloved brethren, let every man and woman, by the way, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. No matter how angry Joseph could have become and had become at Mary if he was. Somehow that must have been mixed in there. It wouldn't change the situation. And it wouldn't have changed Mary. And and in a very real way in our lives, you pouring out anger and vengeance on somebody doesn't change their desire to do what's right or not. It doesn't doesn't make them do right. So the, the Bible is telling you and I, God is telling you and I, hey, listen, become a better listener than speaker. When you're talking to somebody, instead of 
thinking about what you're going to say next because what you have to say is much more important than what they're currently telling you. Focus and concentrate on listening to what they're saying. Learn to ask good questions to clarify what they're saying if you don't understand. Be a good listener because everything in you wants to jump to conclusions. But the Bible says, listen, be slow to, uh, be quick to listen and slow to speak because if you are, you will be the next thing and that is slow to get angry. I've found so many times sitting with somebody and just hearing what they've had to say has, has calmed me down a thousand times over. It's so much harder to be angry at someone you've had a face-to-face communication with. I find myself, myself just stewing on these things. So be, and be slow to anger. Be very, very patient with people. Why? Because you can. Because sin, love covers a multitude of sins. So he thought about these things. The angel appears to him in a dream and says, don't be afraid. Because Joseph had become afraid. What if I, take, what if I marry her now? What are people going to say? What are my carpentry partners going to say? What is my family going to say? And and oftentimes, that's what we're worried about, isn't it? What are people going to think? Look, if you're going to follow Christ, you have to realize you cannot worry about what people think. And and I like Mary didn't consult Joseph when God said to do this. Mary just, you know, she just said, this is what God wants me to do. And I got to do it. It's right to do. Joseph may have talked her out of it. I doubt it once he realized. But now God is bringing Joseph into unity with his wife. And he says, don't become afraid, Joseph. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. He confirms. I imagine Joseph, he's asleep. He's having a dream. You ever had one of those dreams that somehow you know it's significant, but then you wake up and you sort of write it off? Joseph could have done that. He has it, and in, in the midst of this dream, he realizes that Mary was She wasn't lying. She was right. And, and the, the angel in the dream goes on to tell him she will bring forth a son. Or, you know, they, they didn't have ultrasound back then. This God is the ultimate ultrasound. We don't know the, the sex of the child. But God's telling him, going to be a son. So much confidence that we'll even tell you what you're going to name him. He's got a special name, and his name will be called Jesus, which means it's a, it's a Greek form of the Hebrew Joshua or Yehoshua, which means Jehovah is salvation or Jehovah rescues. So the question in my mind would be, from what? From the Romans? From, from what am I, is this son of mine going to rescue from? He will save his people from what? Their sins. And this is, again, the focus of Christmas Eve will be Jesus. For today, we're just looking mostly at the life of Joseph. But I don't want to skip this over because this Christmas season, any season of life, this is what I needed to be. I didn't need to be rescued from my family. I didn't need to be rescued from this, the, the American government. I didn't need to be rescued from American culture, although I did um, in terms of the sinfulness of it. I, I, didn't need, I needed to be rescued from my life of walking away from God, my life of missing the mark of what God had for me. And that's what sin means. Sometimes we think sin is all the really bad things that really bad people do. And they're all in jail now, or should be. But not me. I'm a good person. See my halo? Sin is any way in which we miss the mark 
of, of what God has for us, of what God wants for us, any way of missing the mark. And really, I, I've come to look at it this way. If all the law is fulfilled in one word, and that word is love, then sin is anything that's not loving. Loving toward others. So now I think if I went around the room, probably we could all at least find one time in your life when you did something and the motive was just not love. Think so? Or at least not love and care for that person. Maybe it was self-love. That's often a motive. So that was sin. And then we can find things we didn't do that we should have done. That's also sin because that wasn't expressing love. So I think the problem is we realize that this is what I really, really need to be rescued from because these things uh, in, in the court of God, someday I will have to be accountable for the way I've lived, the things I've done. And we look, you can't watch the news about 150, min- a little bit less kids being slaughtered by the Taliban and just go... And you can't look at that and, and, and neglect the fact that somehow there has to be justice for that. That somehow there has to be justice. And I believe that too. And I believe God will bring justice at the right time. But in the meanwhile, even for those Taliban members, if any of them would turn to God truly and confess their sin. And ask for forgiveness. Because all of us have been there, right? You've done things and you look back on them and you go, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe at some point in my life I thought that was right. Have you done that? I didn't know. It was ignorance. Now these, these guys, they live in caves in the middle of nowhere and they're indoctrinated that if, if Americans or whoever comes against them, they have the right to get vengeance on, on people. And so much so even on children. Now, how does the mind get twisted that way? And how has your mind gotten twisted about what you think is right and wrong? And those are the things, in ignorance we've done. We, we were trying, you know, we, we thought we were doing what was right, but we found out later it was wrong. And when we find out, the question is, what do you do with that? And here, Jesus comes. His name is Jesus because he's going to save people from what? I need to be saved from my twisted life from a twisted way of thinking about things. And the world just gets us so tw- Is it just me? Or do you feel that way? I-, I don't know. You'll have to work that out. So all this was done, verse 22, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, this is Isaiah chapter 7, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So God was going to be with Ahaz in the book of Isaiah to help protect him from being attacked by Syria and Israel in the north. God told Ahaz, look, I'm going to give you a sign. Ahaz said, I don't want your sign, God. I've already got my plan figured out, so don't get in my way. You ever had that happen to you? God, I've got my plan sorted out. Uh, I don't, you know, don't, don't tell me about another plan. I'm, I'm going forward. Well, that was Ahaz. And God said, I hear you don't want a sign, but I'm giving you one anyway, because I told you I would take care of it. But you want to do things in your own power, that's up to you. Uh, it's going to bring bad things, but the sign was right here. Ahaz rejected the sign. Joseph accepts it. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, all that was said in Isaiah chapter 7. His name is Emmanuel. The fulfillment of that is Jesus, God with us, which is truly a remarkable statement. 
We, we sing the songs about Emmanuel and all that stuff, which means God with us. But can you fathom that? I mean, how does the, the infinite God, this is what we struggle with, isn't it? Like, that God could put on human flesh and somehow divine, human and divine can coexist in one body. And, and we don't know how, what was Jesus like as a child? You know, Joseph here, he's raising this child. None of his blood is, is in him. All of, he, he looked like Mary, not Joseph. Is Mary's uh, blood in him, and, and Joseph yet uh, raises him. Did, did, when he was in the carpentry shop, did he, did he have to measure twice and cut once? I, he just, could he eyeball it and get it right every time? What did he say? Did he ever hit his thumb with a hammer? And if he did, what did he say? Because the whole idea that divinity and humanity can co- we don't, that fries our brain cells. It fries my brain. I don't know how that works. But somehow, God with us. And, and people needed to know, we needed to know, you needed to know, they needed to know. There's a lot of confusion about what God is like, isn't there? Maybe in your family. Maybe in churches that you've been to. I hope not here. We keep Jesus in our view. Because anything we want to know about God, we see in him. We see how he deals with people. We see how he deals with his Father in heaven. And then that we know we're seeing God in the flesh. That's what God is like. No question. So when someone says, yes, I believe in God, we can say, well, do you believe in Jesus? Well, no, I don't believe in Jesus. Then you don't believe in God. And light came into the darkness, and what happened? The darkness didn't accept it. That's the real sad part of Christmas, is when light came in, People said, no, we don't want light. We like our darkness. And I hope with me that you all are ones that say, I, wa- I was desperate for the light. I was so tired of darkness. I was so desperate to know, to know, to know what life was about, what eternity was about, what, what sin is, what God is like. I was seeking and desperate to know God. And God showed up for me. He came to me because I wanted him. I, I knew I needed God in my so, God with us. Now, we'll finish it up with verse 24. So now Joseph wakes up. All that's been in the dream. Now he wakes up. He's aroused from sleep. I'll bet he was, right? Angel of the Lord comes and, you know, take Mary, your wife. Now, this is what's remarkable to me, and this is where we get to the point of our our whole series, the gift of yes. Joseph's aroused from sleep. What does he do now? He's had this dream, and now he has a choice. Do I believe the dream that I had? Do I act on that? Facing public ridicule, facing what my family's going to say. Well, the Bible says, being aroused from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. So they stayed, they, they got married and stayed pure even after they were married until Jesus was born. Then they had other children together. But he did it. Can you imagine the wedding? Can you imagine what people were still talking at the wedding? Mary and Joseph were completely in unity together. But I can imagine what the, the guests at the wedding were saying. I can imagine what other people were saying. And I can imagine how, jo- how strong Joseph had to have been. Can you, can you think about that? Just what kind of a man would stand by his wife based on what he knew from God, based despite what everybody else would say about both of them, 
And even later on, they would accuse Jesus of being what? An illegitimate child. And yet Joseph stuck with her, and they went forward. They got married. He protect. I, I dislike Joseph. He's a good man. He's a godly man. And he took his wife, and he did not know her until she brought forth her firstborn son. And then he, um, he named him exactly what the angel told him to. So this is the point, folks. This is, this is the issue. Uh, is Just like Mary, who said yes to God, Joseph also, when faced with this decision, more worried about what people would say or more worried about the will of God in his life? And a good question this Christmas for you. What are you, what are you most concerned about? Your reputation or your obedience? What are you most interested in? Pleasing God or pleasing people? Because God may just want to rewrite a little piece of history through your life. It may not be as grand as giving birth to Jesus, but it may be grand to the people right around you. But it may be risky, and it may be costly. And I pray, you know, because who, who knows when, when Christ is coming back? And I just, uh, so long, I mean, what, what else are we going to live for, folks, really? You know, what, what are you going to say when you die? What are you, you going to point to uh, on, at, those, at those times? You know, oh, I did this, all your accolades, these are the things I've done. I want to point to the things, when, when, I'm, when you all are attending my funeral, I want to be able to, to have you point to the things that God did through me, not the things I did. Because the things I did were worthless and empty. But the question is, will you be able to say, well, look at the way he said yes to God. He was willing to do what, and, and what would the, the question would be for the same thing for you. you know, will you be able to point, will we be able to point to the things that God has done through you? So I'm going to invite the, the young guys up to uh, lead us in, O Come All Ye Faithful, as a closing song. And uh, we're going to pray right now. And if God's stirring something in your heart, I'll be down here uh, after the service. The prayer room will be open. Please come down. Look, sometimes it's just saying yes to being saved, right? That's the first step. How can God use you until you're first saved? And so sometimes the first step is if God is working in your heart, this great, what a better time. Can you imagine getting saved at Christmas? That's almost as good as being baptized in the Jordan. Like saved at Christmas. So today could be the day of salvation for you. You could decide this Christmas, I am going to say yes to the first thing God is asking me to do. And that's to surrender my life and to trust Him. To have confidence in Him and not myself. So maybe that's you. Maybe uh, you're visiting here with family members or you know, you're visiting for the holidays and, and you've been sideswiped by some long-winded pastor telling you to be saved. And, and that's okay. Uh, just come down and meet me down here. And, um, and I know some of you for health problems as well. There's some health things going on. If you need prayer for anything, come down and join us. Let's pray, and then we'll sing. After the song is finished, you will be uh, free to go and enjoy fellowship with one another uh, out in the fellowship hall. Father, uh, what, what is it that you're wanting to do this Christmas? How is it that you want Joseph and Mary and their examples to impact us? Lord, we appreciate and admire their courage of this young couple to follow you. Uh, Lord, and I pray that we would see that courage have a resurgence among our, our day and age, Lord. That young men, young women would, would be committed to purity and godliness and to following you in obedience. And all oh, what you can do with that, Lord. 
long to see it until the day that you come and take us to be with yourself. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Let's stand.